Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. With the Ashes just over a month away, my guest today is former England pace bowler Alex Tudor, who took four for 89 on his test debut at the Wacker in 1998. Thanks for joining me, Alex. No, thanks for having me, Stephen. Pleasure. Well, how how does the mention of those figures bring back uh, memories of that debut in November 1998. Yeah, no, um, great memories, very nervous time. I remember the night before, Alex, Alex Stewart couldn't quite make up his mind. It was between me and Dean Headley. Um, Dean Headley being a senior bowler, he wanted to know so he could prepare himself, but Alex said he needed to sleep on it. And then I had the worst night's sleep. Obviously, you know, I was 21. I was mentally, I was meant to be out there for work experience and learning off, you know, golf, cork, and, and Malali and, and, and the likes, you know, with all that experience, Dean Headley, Angus Fraser was there. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm playing with guys that I grew up watching on the TV. I'm playing in a test match with them. I'm playing against arguably some of the greatest players ever to play the game. And it was a sort of pinch yourself moment, even though at some stage I knew that's what I wanted to do and play international cricket. It came, obviously, a lot sooner than I thought. But um, nevertheless, it was at Perth. World's quickest, you know, quickest wicket. Nice and bouncy. Um, and then Alec gave me the nod in the morning. Uh, and then to ease into it, I think we won the toss and batted, which was most probably the wrong decision. Um, we were out not too long after lunch. I think I got 18 not out, which sort of settled my nerves. Um, and then not too long after the new ball, Alec introduced me. I remember bowling my first over to Mark Taylor. Um, so that, that was something in itself and just the bounce of the wicket and everything. I've, I've not seen anything like it. You know, every young boy's dream to play at Perth. But then I remember going for a walk 
before that test match with Ian Bolton, he wasn't served then. And we went for a walk. There was sort of talk that I might play at Perth, obviously. Um, and we went for this great walk in the morning um, in Brisbane. I was over the moon. He, he walked so fast. I was nearly like running. Um, I think we met at 4.30, 5 in the morning. He was probably still doing his walks then, wasn't he? Probably still doing. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was still preparing uh, and, and walking, and it was actually the best time to walk. It was nice and cool, um, and we just had a a great talk. It was a really, really good talk, and you know, for one of the greats of the game to give up their time to talk to me, tell me what it's all about. When you play at this ground, don't get carried away with the bounce. You know, bowl it for and all that. I, I was, I was blown away with it all. So those memories will stay for me forever. And, and do you remember your first test wicket? Obviously. Yeah, Steve Waugh. Steve Waugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Steve Good Waugh, start. I think. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. I mean, listen, I grew up with him being a menace to, to England, scoring 100 upon 100. Um, and I, I remember Alec giving me the ball. It weren't quite working out for Corky, so he wanted a bit of a change. He gave me the ball. And I just remember him jumping around about in a crease. I thought, obviously, as a young bowler, he wanted to get on top of me. But the lad said, no, he, he's not fancying it. And I'm like, Steve Ward, not fancying it. He's quicker bowlers than me. Um, I felt he just wanted to try and get on top of me as I was a young guy. And one just nipped back and bowled him through the gate. And it was, it's just one of the moments that it just, you've bowled an absolute great at the game. Um, obviously, at that time, you know, to get him when we did was great because he didn't get 100 and uh, it sort of set me on, set me on my way. And you also got uh, Mark Warout and Ricky Ponting and Glenn McGrath. Yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad three. That is it. I mean, no disrespect to Glenn; he's not known for his batting. I mean, uh, he's a great, great of the game, but not for his batting. But the first three, I mean, geez, I mean, I, I grew up watching Mark War. Loved the way he batted, the elegance, just the ease, the poise. So to get him and his twin brother and then obviously Ricky Ponting turned into an absolute, one of the greatest batsmen of all time in the game. So to get him was great. Uh, then as you said, yeah, um, Glenn McGraw was my, was my fourth wicket. So just a very elated young man at 21 from South London, playing in the Nashes at Perth with some of England's greatest ever players against some of the greatest players that ever played a game on the other side was, yeah, was like dream come true. Well, we lost by seven wickets, but apart from that, it must have been a dream come <laughs> true for, for you, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it was personally, obviously, it would have been nice to get those wickets. I think I got Justin Langer in the second innings and, you know, we ended up losing, as you said, by seven wickets. So I think the game was over in two and a half days. It was England lost again. But for a young man making his debut, it, it, it wasn't a bad start altogether. and. So I remember Alec and, 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 and people around me, Darren Goff and stuff, you know, don't get carried away with it and just stay humble, keep working hard and, and, and good things will happen. Well, I'd like to take you back now to uh, your beginnings of your cricketing career. What's your first cricketing memory? Oh, gee, just playing, playing with my brother and my dad. Uh, your bro- dad. brother was a good player as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, very good player. Um, signed at Surrey, I think, maybe 92 or something. But sadly, in his first year, he had a double stress fracture, so that detailed his career early on, but still played a lot of cricket, club cricket and stuff, and, and, and played at a good standard and, and did really well. 
But it's just fortunate because he was he was very good. He was I always say he was a better bowler than me, far better fielder than me. He was he was unbelievable catch, caught absolute pigeons, and he was a hard hitting batsman. Uh, but so I just remember, you know, he's five years older than me, so I just go around my dad and him, watch him play, play with young kids and stuff. Um, but then when it sort of got serious, I was watching him. He was training at Lords. And uh, a coach approached my dad. I remember on the balcony, uh, just came over to my dad and said, look, does your boy play? My dad said, yeah, my boy can play. Then I went for a trial. And then, as you say, the rest was history. Um, ended up playing for London schools from eight to 16. Then had some great times, great memories, played against some great players that went on to do some great things in the game. I, I first bumped into Freddie Flintoff. When I was eight, we played in a, a festival called the Dartford Festival. And we played against Lancashire. They would come down, Northamptonshire. Had the Swan Brothers, Mark Steele, Tim Roberts, players like that. So we all sort of played in this tournament. Sussex, Kent, um, Essex. And we all played in this tournament. And we was there for a week. And then at the end of the week, you'd play. It used to be North East South. Then that used to be a little bit unfair because the North used to absolutely hammer us. And then we did a, a, a combination. They just sort of picked teams. And I remember Freddie was captain in our last year. Freddie was captain of the side. And we actually I, we actually played as bolt, as batsmen. We were picked in that tournament for batsmen because we scored a lot of runs. And we didn't really bowl, uh, which I suppose a lot of people wouldn't believe, but that's what it was. And um, I remember I got 89 in that final and got man in the match. And, um, you know, our sort of friendship... And our cricket in past just coincide all the way through. You know, we played Young England together. He was my under-19 captain. And then we played England together. So, you know, that was nice that, you know, someone that you grew up playing with and then you just, your pass all went through together. David Sells, Ben Hollyoke. Um, we all sort of went through Gareth Batty. We all went through together. So that was nice. We had a great bunch of lads in our age group that pretty much a lot of us went on to make it. Yeah, talking about Freddie Flintoff, I noticed that your second eleven championship debut—he was your first victim as well. Oh gosh, I can't—I I, I don't remember. I looked that. it up. I yeah, mean, he I, definitely I, was. So, uh. oh geez, I mean, listen, Lancashire were a, a serious side, and they had some good players. And Freddie and I, through the years, had some great battles. I mean, Jesus, he ended up hitting me for thirty-eight in a championship game. I wasn't going to mention got, that. That's okay. Kids mention it all the time to me at school, so it's cool. It's, it's, I'm good with it. Um, and I remember he got a big hundred in a, in a one day game at the Oval, took us, took us to the cleaners, but we've had some tussles and some battles. And he always says that he reckons that I'm up because I got, I've got him out a few times, um, in championship cricket and stuff like that. Well, we've had some great tussles and, um, he's a good friend, still a very good friend. And, um, yeah, just feel blessed and in that era that we played, we, as I said, we had some good, good cricketers, you know, away Shah, David Nash, Stephen Peters, Paul Franks, uh, Ryan Sidebottom. I mean, the list, as I said, Gareth Batty, Ben Hollyoak. I mean, the list was frightening of people of my age that we went through and, and, and we all sort of went through and played first-class cricket. And some of us obviously went on to play for England. But it was, it was a good time growing up around those times. Well, talking about first-class cricket, you made your debut uh, for Surrey against Middlesex in 1995. Um, mm. 
looking through the scores that day, it was a pretty tough baptism of your first game. Well, it was ridiculous. So my one of my best friends, Mark Rampakash, he got a double hundred. Him and Keith Brown, the keeper, he got a hundred. They they put on millions and um he actually, I think my third wicket, so my first wicket was either Jason Pooley or Paul Weeks. I can't remember which one. I saw Jace not too long ago, actually. So I, I think it was Jason Pooley, then Weeksy, and then Ramps clipped one to Nadeem Shahid when he was 200 and plenty. I think he felt sorry for me. So I ended up getting free for on debut. And then I remember going off and bless him, you know, my coach at the time, Graham Dilly, bowling coach, was great for me. And he just told me, you know, have a little relax and settle down. Well, I couldn't because Tufnell and Embry went through us and uh, they they taught us about spin uh, and they ended up thrashing us, I think, maybe by an innings or something. I think yeah, they ended up in, beating an us. Innings, innings defeat, but you were playing at the home of cricket, so it's a good place to start your first-class yeah, career. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Didn't go the way I wanted to. You know, got a few wickets, um, got a battering, but it was like, this is proper cricket. You know, I've come from age group cricket, playing some hard second team cricket, but nothing like when you're playing against the likes of, you know, as I said, your Rampakash and Gattings and, and, and those types. Fraser was playing, as you said, Embry, Tufnell. That's a, you know, it's John Carr, I think he may have played. It was like, it's this proper, proper cricket. So it was just nice to sort of mix it and, and do okay. But as I said, again, as a team, we, we got hammered. <laughs> Well, moving forward a bit, 1998, you got 29 first-class wickets and then you were selected for the England uh, series in Australia, which we've, we've talked about. Um, mm. Were you surprised to get selected? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and Caddy and I have a little bit of a joke. Uh, Caddy, Andrew Caddick got 100-odd wickets that, that calendar year or that county championship year and he didn't get selected. And he said, Tudor, you, you took my place. I said, no, 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 no. I didn't take your place. I was the young lad. They all, England at that time used to take a young seamer um, on tour, just, you know, someone that they felt was sort of going to be ready maybe in a few years or so. And I went and um, it was just unbelievable. I had my 21st birthday on the plane. You know, I mean, um, Wayne Morton, he brought out a cake and everything. It was um, unbelievable. And then... Um, as you say, the, the personnel that I had on the plane, you know, you go through the team, you know, Hick and Atherton and Hussain, uh, Butcher, Rampakash, and then Goff and Fraser and, and, and all these. And it was, it was, it was, as again, pinch yourself moment. And I was there mixing it with the elite. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, but I was going to get my head down and, and, and take the opportunity. Well, you only actually played 10 test matches, a lot because of the injuries you suffered, but you got mm. 28 wickets in, in those 10 test matches. But you mm. had some, some, some highs in those test matches with the 99 not out as the night watchman, which I think still the highest score by a night watchman for England. Jack Leach, I think, got close to it the other yes, year. Yes, he did, yeah. Although he was only playing against Ireland. Uh, yeah, we're not, we don't mention that. <laughs> you were against, you were against uh, New Zealand at Edgbaston, where... Can you tell listeners about those two days when you just failed to make a century? Yeah, it was, again, England had been rubbish in the World Cup. Uh, we got beat up by India and David Lloyd, the great David Lloyd, he was coach, he got sacked and uh, 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 Alex Stewart was captain, he got sacked. It was Nasser Hussein's first game as captain. Aftab Habib came in for debut. Chris Reid came in for debut. And there was myself. 
you sort of drafted into the side and, you know, it was sort of young guns with some senior players. Um, New Zealand had got to the semi-final in that World Cup. So they were, they were, they were prime. They were playing some good cricket. Jeff Allard had got 20 odd wickets in, in, in that World Cup. So, you know, and he was bowling fast and Dion Nash and Chris Cairns, uh, Simon Dahl and a, and a young Daniel Fattori. So it's a proper bowling lineup and, Again, that game didn't last too long. Two and a half days. Uh, all I remember is, you know, Caddock, Malali, and, and Tufnell bowled well. And then on the second innings, it, no, actually, sorry, they batted first. We bowled them out. We batted, didn't get many. I went in, I think, at eight or so. Got 30-odd not out. Um, so when it came to the second innings, we were chasing. We needed a night watchman. I just remember Nasser Hussain walking into the change room. And going, oh, we need a night watchman. Who's going to do it? And as he was sort of looking around the room, he was like, well, Tufnell, no. Goff, no. No. Oh, Tudor, you got some. Get your pads on. And I just remember something that my, that my dad always told me when I was young. He said, son, especially when I got into first-class cricket, son, show these people that you can bat. If you get the opportunity, you take it. So I was like, yeah, I'll go on back. And Alec got cleaned up first over, second over or so. So I had to go and face a delivery. And then we came off a bad light. And then the next morning, Ramps, my good friend, you know, he has his routine. We got to the ground early. We did our, our throwdowns, you know, intense throwdowns, stuff like that. And Gucci gave one of his speeches and just said, lad, you know, the wicket's not great, but if you get the opportunity, swing the kitchen sink at it and stuff. And I just had one of those days that every young guy sort of dreams for and everything was hit in the middle of the bat. They gave me whip. And, I, and, you know, I think I put on a little bit of a partnership with my friend Mark Butcher to start off with. And then NASA came in. He was batting lovely. He got 40 very quickly. And then as it was starting to whittle down, Graham Falk walks in. I think I'm 70-odd at the time. Forpy walks in. Crowd's going mad. Holly stands going nuts. You know, he walks in. He said, Tudes, this is what it's about. Crowd shouting your name Saturday afternoon. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Forby, right, listen, forget about that. Get your head on. You know, we've got Rams who didn't get none in the first innings. After have a beads on debut, didn't get any. Chris Reeds on debut, didn't get any. And we've got a long tail. So we need to get this game done. And he was like, all right. And he, he just sort of went into Graham Fort mode and started blitzing it everywhere. And as I'm looking at the board and crowd starting to boo, and I'm like, why are they booing? We're... England are winning. Why are they booing? I'm thinking, oh, they really want me to get this 100. And it literally came down where I needed to hit a six to try and get to my 100. And I top-edged it off. Um, Craig McMillan went over Adam Perori and a couple bounces for four. I sort of casually stroll off 99 not out, get into the change room. And there's euphoria. Obviously, the lads are over the moon for me. But then also there's some cursing because I'm left on 99 and Tufnell and Butcher and, and the likes are, are not best pleased with uh, Graham Thorpe. And um, can't really say what they were saying, but they weren't happy. There were some choice words. And then sort of Thorpe was like, yeah, but Tunes told me to get on with it. And they're like, he's 21. He's playing in his third game. What are you doing? And... Um, it's just one of those things. And I said, look, as time's gone on and it's, what, 21, 20-odd 20 years on, and I'm still 
speaking about it. People still want to know about it. Um, I suppose I'm better known for it. And it's, it's just one of those things. It, it wasn't meant to be. But I always tell people I was 120, what, 131 not out for the test match. And it, and it was a good day. As I said, England won. We won in two and a half days. NASA's first game as captain. So good memories. Well, thanks for that. Was, uh, that was very interesting. Thanks for that. You must have told that story many times. But you did have some, <laughs> did have some good highs there because you had a, a five for against uh, the Australians at Trent Bridge. That must have been you know, something special to get five wickets against them. Yeah, no, no, unbelievable again. Um, and, it, and it was in the balance of the series a little bit, you know, up into that game. Um, and, and, you know, when I got that Pfeiffer, we were, we were still in the game. We were in the game. I remember Nasser had busted finger. So Afers took over as captain and he was brilliant. Phenomenal, looked after me really well. And, um, you know, I've got these five wickets again, you know, the calibre of the players I got, I was well over the moon with. And, you know, I remember walking in, NASA's buzzing and he's going, come on, lads, come on, lads. And then, unfortunately, Jason Gillespie sorted us out and got a Pfeiffer. Um, and then they were only chasing 130-odd and we ended up losing that game by seven wickets. Um, but I got a Pfeiffer and I put, I'm up on the board, five for 44. You know, my parent, my mum... My dad and my brother were there. It was, you know, it, it was a good time. I think it was a Saturday again, I think. Um, you always go for the big days, you see. Always go for the big day, man. And um, it, 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 it was like, oh, we, you know, we're, we're, we're still in this series. But then they blew us away there. And literally, I think after that, we went to Headingley. And then Mark Butcher scored that magnificent 173 to win us that, that game. But I think we ended up winning the, losing the series 3-1, was it? Or 4-1? No, four one because I think they were, they were, they were looking to beat us five nil or something, weren't they? So they're always um, looking to beat what, us five nil, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah, once yeah. or twice, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's that's what happened. But yeah, I, I had a, a good game against them. I remember getting man in the match against Sri Lanka at Old Trafford, getting seven in the game, and then we needed something like fifty odd off six overs, and Trez and Vaughan went in there and slapped it everywhere. I think. Fernando was trying to get wickets when he should have been bowling other deliveries because there was only six overs to go, but he was trying to get a few wickets and Trez and Vaughan slapped him everywhere and we ended up winning that game and I got man in a match. I, I said, you know, in my short career, in those 10 games, you know, two man in the matches, done some, done some decent things and then it was only really in the back end against Australia and then a very, very good India batting lineup that it sort of ruined my figures a bit, but it is what it is, you know, it is what yeah. it is. Well, that, that Sri Lanka test was in 2002 and then in um, November 2002, you, you played your last test um, in Perth. You started yeah, in Perth and ended in Perth. Yeah, yeah um, not too many people have done that. <laughs> no, it ended in quite a dramatic fashion for you when you got uh, hit on the head by Brett Lee. Um, mm. And it's an understatement of the year to ask you how you felt at the time, but uh, how did you feel when you... Uh, Suffered that injury. I was there, well, I, and you could hear in the crowd that people were actually worried about you as a as a person. Oh, bless them! I mean, listen, it was funny because when Australia batted, obviously we had Harmy was bowling quick. I remember he bowled quick, but he had lost his runner, and he was still getting it down there at ninety mile an hour. And I remember Brett came in, and we had gotten well during the series. We'd like gone out afterwards and drink and stuff, and met up a few times and. 
he came in and that was like, dude, you've got to rough him up. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. You know, captain's asked me to do something, do it. So, you know, I touched him up a little bit, but I'm only bowling at sort of mid-80s, you know, 87, 85, something around there. He's about 10 mile an hour quicker. So when it's roll reverse now and I walk in, Alex Stewart's in, he's batting really well, Stewie, and Brett's steaming in with this older ball. And he's bowling quick. And as I've walked in, Brett's like, Tudes, I owe you a few. And I'm like, you know, I'm a South London boy. I was like, bring it. You know, I'm not, I'm not scared of anything. And then Glenn McGrath at sort of cover walking around. He goes, Tudes, he's bowling quick. I said, yeah, he's on your side, isn't he? And then Darren Lehman's at short leg. Tudes, he's bowling quick. And I said, yeah, no, I've been watching. And he bowls these thunderbolts and I sort of duck under a few and stuff. And then it's like new ball time. Stewie walks down and says, Chew, just get underneath it. I said, yeah, I've not got your ability. I'm not going to be taking him on. I'm, I'm going to duck. But the only thing with the new ball, with it being rock hard, it skidded on. It didn't bounce. Um, so when I saw him pitch it in halfway down, I went down, but then the thing didn't get up and it just followed me. And I, do, I, I, do, I did the worst thing that I tell all the young cricketers that I coach now not to do. Keep your eye on the ball. I took my eye off the ball. And got cleaned up. And when I got hit, I did worry because when I put my hand over my eye, I just saw a lot of blood. And I was actually thinking as I take my hand away, I'm going to see my eyeball. I was that worried. Um, it hit me extremely hard. Then I just had a bit of a panic. And then Darren Lehman was great. Stewie came down. Then I remember Mark Butcher steaming out, just running out to make sure I was okay. Um, and I, the first thing I remember I said to him, I said, I know my mum is watching. Please phone her because my mum is a worrier. She'll be vomiting and all sorts. She'll be panicking. So I said, just phone her until I'm all right. So Butch did that, bless him. And then I just remember walking off and sort of crowd give me a bit of a cheer and, and, and stuff like that. And as I said, I was, as I was going up the stairs, Steve Harmison walks in and, you know, Harmy's obviously a good friend as well. And he's obviously worried about me, but obviously thinking Brett Lee's bowling extremely quick. And then there was this massive booze that just went out. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And uh, someone said, oh, he's just bowled Harmy a beamer. I went, oh, damn. I said, well, he ain't getting in line with the next one. And I think he bowled him a fast Yorker. Harmy was on square legs toes, I think, or something. He was out of there. Um, and then the game was done. Um, but it was just a, a sad way of sort of bowing out of international cricket. I remember I had to stay in hospital overnight. And I remember I had my own room and the nurse like sort of, have you seen it? And I'm like, seen what? And she goes, oh, it's on loop on the news, like the news every half hour and put it on. And I was like, oh, great, thanks. Um, and then the next morning, Brian Murgatroyd, who was the press officer, he was a brilliant guy, um, sort of said, Tudes, I've got, got some bad news. Um, you've got to do the world's press and they're all out here waiting for you. I was like, why do they care about, about me? But I think obviously the worry of how I went down and, and stuff like that. I just wanted to make sure I was okay. So must I come like out looking... You must have been like a boxer. Was, when you I, was, yeah. mate, I came out looking like Elephant Man, talking to the press, saying all, all is good. And um, I remember literally after about a week, my good friend Alex Stewart was like, right, Tudes, got to jump back on the horse. And he was throwing, throwing bulls at my head about a week, a week later. I mean, my eye was still not fully open, but he's like, the longer you leave it, the more it's going to affect you and, and impact you with your career moving on. So he says, look, you just got to 
you just got to get on with it. So it was, you know, dodging cricket balls at my head while he was throwing them at me. So I do, I look back and thank him for that because I didn't, I didn't worry about the short ball after getting hit. I never really used to worry about it. And, and I thank him for, you know, him getting me back on the horse early doors. And uh, yeah, it's just a shame that my career sort of never sort of got back internationally after that. But England had a, a crop of young bowlers sort of waiting in the wings and, and coming through. And as you said, after was after Michael Vaughan took the reins, he had a, you know, Simon Jones, Hoggard, Flintoff, um, Harmison. We're heading, head, heading towards 2005 who, then, aren't we? Who, who were heading, you know, heading for that 2004 when it went unbeaten and then that led up to 2005. Now, county-wise, though, you, you had a very successful time at Surrey, the one in the county championship in 99, 2000 and 2002. What made that side such a good side? Obviously, very good players. Well, we were a good side prior to Mark Rampacash Rampel- Mark come in in 2001. I think he came to us from Middlesex. But the real, the real golden child really was... Sakle Mushtaq. Sakle Mushtaq turned us from a good side to a great side. His his signature at the Oval was, it, it, it was like a Lionel Messi signing. It was, he, he was that good. Um, you know, we had seen him play for Pakistan as a young boy, tearing it up in one day cricket, getting wickets from wickets. So for us to get him when we did was phenomenal. And then with Adam Hollyoak as captain, a great leader, great guy with the likes of, you know, you put Mark Rampakash in that team and and then, you know, Ian Salisbury and Sakle Mushtaq, Martin Bicknell, myself, Azamamu, Ben. I mean, it's, you know, that's a that's a proper side that sort of covers all areas on any wicket. So people didn't quite know what wicket to pre- prepare for us when we came. Um, and we bullied sides, really. Um, it was a great team to be a part of. We had a lot of success. Um, it was great to learn off those experienced players. We we were, you know, a little bit flamboyant, I would say, you know, the Surrey strut, as they used to call us, but we used to back it up with performances. There's, there's no point sort of giving it and sort of strutting around as people thought we did, but we were able to back it up when we got onto that grass. Um, and as I said, it was just, it was a great time to play in that team with Keith Medlicott's coach. Um, we, we had some, some great memories that will live on for that squad forever. Now, changing tack a bit, since 2005, only four black cricketers have played men's test cricket for England. Uh, yep. What do you think the reasons for that have been? Wow, okay. Um, I mean, there, there could be a catalogue of things and I mean, we've done... There's been stuff that's been on recently and stuff. And I just said the whole thing with it, you could say, you know, people used to blame the decline of the West Indies. I mean, that's what we, but if you're talking about the 70s and 80s when we were young boys watching that, that's what we wanted to to reach. You know, you, you had you role models, people, didn't you? You, you had, had role, role models. models. You had people yeah. that looked like us dominating world cricket. That's what you wanted to do. Back then, Stuff was on terrestrial TV, so you could put on the BBC and you would see county cricket and you would see the cup games and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and every county had at least, you know, three, four players. Um, 
And I just think the decline is, uh, uh, and Mark, Mark Butcher makes a great point. As far as you get away from the wind rush times, you know, generation of kids, they, it, that's not their bag. You know, football and even rugby union now and stuff. They, there's other avenues and, and, and their parents are not diehard cricket fans. So that, that, that would be my reasoning for why you don't see as many. And then obviously, if the kids don't see, you know, people playing on the box, you know, then, you know, people, kids want to do what they can see. And if not everyone can watch the cricket, then, you know, they're thinking it's a bit of a closed shop. And then you look at the England side, they're thinking, well, can they familiarise themselves with any of them? No, not really. Apart from if you if you see Jofra and, and CJ, um, obviously Mo Ali and, and, and Rash, the Asian community as well. So, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's been a difficult time, but there's not that many playing county cricket. Was there only seven seven black players playing at this at this time, if that? So it, it, it's hard. I know Ebony, good friend of mine, Ebony Rainford Brent, is doing some good things with the ACE program and, and stuff like just to try and because there are kids out there. I can guarantee you there are kids out there, but it's it's all about opportunity. It's all about being seen and uh, you know taking the opportunity when it arises. Yeah, I think you're doing some work with with the ACE program, aren't you? Because I've had Ebony on this podcast, and oh, brilliant. It's, cle- it's clearly making some it's making some progress, isn't it? And she's moving around yeah. the country, which is important to other city areas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's Birmingham, Bristol, Bristol trying yeah. to yeah, trying to get somewhere else. But yeah, she's done. She's been. It's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. And I think I think it's young Barnard who sort of broke into the England under nineteen side. So you know, it's working. It's doing well. I mean, didn't expect. One to come through as quick as that, but young Nathan has come through, has shown promise. I think he signed a summer con- uh, a contract at Surrey now as well. So there's, you know, the signs are good, and you know, see what you don't want everyone. I mean, it'd be nice if everyone did, but if you get one or two breaking through and making it when they normally wouldn't have been seen or been given that opportunity, then it's all worthwhile. Well, hopefully the progress will continue and it's not just a, a passing phase, but I'm sure if Ebony's behind it, it won't be. And, and yeah, no, no, there'll no. be more and more uh, black cricketers that will play cricket for England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. I just, you know, we just want as many people to try and play this great game, um, given the opportunities, you know, getting in these schools that maybe don't have a field. And, you know, I'm talking about the inner city schools now and stuff where there's not a lot of land for them to go and play. and and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, you need the right teachers. You need enthusiastic teachers that are going to give their time, um, try and infuse these kids. Uh, as I said, kids will do pretty much anything that they can see. Um, even if their cricket's not on their radar, all of a sudden if they start playing it and they enjoy it, you might unearth a couple. Um, but they need that opportunity. So hopefully with the, you know, there's uh, enough organisations, there's enough charities looking to do some stuff. As you said, there's a lot of money in the game. As long as it filters down, get through to that grassroots, that's where it matters. I think sometimes we think about the top end too much. You know, if we want to keep this great game going, can't forget about our youth. And we need to make sure that the money's getting down there. But also with that, we've got to make sure you've got the right coaches that are infusing these kids and, 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 and bring them through.
Yeah, and that's boys and girls as well. Oh, massively. Girls, I mean, I've gone back to school, you know, since uh, the summer break and the girls are hounding all the time. You know, we do after school cricket on a Friday. They're coming in their numbers. They actually love it. I mean, they come to cricket training there and then they sir, can I leave early? I've got to go to nets at my club. I mean, that's just music to my ears. And the one thing with the girls that I've learned, um, especially, you know, coaching them, man, they listen, they just sponges. They want to learn. They, you know, they've been infused by watching the girls on the on, on the TV, the 100, you know, speaking to a lot of them. A lot of them were able to get out to these grounds, Lords, the Oval, um, Edgebaston, Trent Bridge, watching these games because the prices were good. So you can make a really family event with it. They can see two games, girls and boys, and they absolutely loved it. So, you know, we got a strike while the iron's hot. You know, these girls are, are really good, showing really good technique. And they've got some great role models at the top to, uh, to aspire to. I certainly have. I must pick up one point there because I want to get someone's name on the show now because James Williams at Cambridgeshire, who I know, James, um, from Wisbeach, he always says that girls listen more than boys. So, Mass- Massively, massively. You tell, you tell a girl, pick your bat up. I guarantee for the rest of her net, you are not telling that again. You have a net with a lad, you are telling him pretty much every other ball, if not every ball. Um, they're just sponges. They just, they just listen. There's no ego. And they just get on with it. And I just think technically, they're just as good. Obviously, once they start to get a little bit bigger, the the strength and stuff, and that's where the boys sort of take over. But technically, so batting technique, fielding, you know, they catch pigeons, man. They like they catch pigeons. They they got good technique. It's you know the girls' game is flourishing, and it's it's great to see. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. The hundred's only going to get bigger and bigger for them. Hopefully more franchise cricket. and You get to see the world's best stars come over and play. And I can only see women's cricket just growing. I would certainly agree that the hundred made a, a big uh, boost to the women's game. And technically watching them bat, you know, superb. Mm. Now, we started with the Ashes. Now we're going to finish with the Ashes. Um, what do you think are England's uh, prospects uh, down under? Um, a lot is riding on Joe Root to score runs. Um, we need some other individuals to help out. Your, your Rory Burns, your Zach Crawleys and these guys. I know the averages are not too flash at the moment, but if someone has a breakout series in Australia, you know, that, that will look after you for the rest of your life. Um, on the bowling front worries me a little bit. I just, I, I just don't know how we're going to get 20 wickets. I mean, listen, Australia's batting lineup as well is not that great. Obviously, you've got Labuschagne, Warner, Smith, who are their marquee batsmen. But the rest of them, you're not losing any sleep with them. So if, you know, Brody and Anderson and Wokes and that can get some early wickets and we can get into that lower to middle order, then we could have an interesting series. But I just, you know, we have to do it with Seam. I can't see spin with the guys we've got. You know, Jack Leach, bless him, he's not played a lot of cricket. Um, Don Bess is quite fresh and, you know, sort of rego Ospin doesn't really clean up out there. You need to have a little bit of mystery and do something else. And they're always going to try and attack our spinners so our seamers don't get much rest. So can someone, you know, like Graham Swan used to do, first innings, he'll hold up an end. He wouldn't go for many. He could hold up an end, bowl for one end, give our seamers 
some some rest. I, I just don't see these two two doing that. I hope they prove me wrong, but I I, I can't see it. Um, and obviously for the balance of the side, the way they go, obviously Stokes not being there, Archer not being there. I mean, you know, we're going to have to look after Woody. You know, he's not going to be able to play five test matches. So it's, you know, look looking after his workload, make sure the wickets are helpful for him that when we play him. But hopefully it will be a very good series. Um, I think we'll get beat. I hope the boys prove, prove prove everyone wrong and every you know they have a breakout series and and dominate. It'll be great. So, do you think the Australians are under a little bit of pressure because they haven't played that much cricket, have they? No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Um, but they're generally good at home. Um, they're used to their wickets. Um, they'll have a, a buoyant crowd behind them. But I know, you know, I'm not too know, sure how much of the army will get out there and, and, and stuff and what will be happening on that front. But um, you know, we'll be watching and, and supporting and, as you say, hopefully the boys and, you know, Joe Root has a Alistair Cook series and gets 700 runs and we need a few others to at least get 400, if not that amount of runs. Butler, you know, someone we need someone to have four, 400 odd runs as well. We need a couple. We can't just have someone have a 500 plus run series and, and no one else is doing anything. We, we need three, three guys to get some runs, some good runs, and then which allows your bowlers to go to work and and get wickets. But if you're not getting 300 in your first innings, you're struggling. Well, thank you for that. One thing we haven't mentioned before we go is, and I know myself, but what are you actually doing now? Oh, so I, um, for the last six years, I work at Kim Bolton School, which is here in Cambridge, where I now live and um, absolutely love it. Uh, started off just doing cricket, but I help with the football and, and hockey. Um, so I just love it. And it's just, you know, it's coaching. It's coaching kids. That's what I'm about. I just love getting out there and, and helping these young kids getting out there and, and playing some sport. You know, we, we all need it. We've had a, a hard 18 months. Some have not done much. So getting those kids back out there and getting them active will actually help them in the classroom. Go, we tell them the fitter you are, the longer you can concentrate and that type of thing. So it's just just talking to these kids really on a daily basis and and making sure they're, they're good people and the way they carry themselves and respect and manners and same sort of things that my dad instilled in me and my older brother. That's why I try and preach to these kids, try and be real to them um, and just have some fun. And, and that's what I'm about. So I, I, I enjoy what I do. And I think they enjoy having me around. So I'm slightly different than the normal teacher. And, and, and we have some fun. Well, I'm sure they, they must like uh, being taught by you. You sound very enthusiastic. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion. I must also shout out uh, thanks to Denise O'Neill, who, oh, yes. uh, like your brother, works for Capital Kids Cricket. Denise was on, uh, written, wrote down here, episode 37 of, of the podcast. And yes. uh, it was Denise who asked Ray to then ask you to, to come on. So thanks yeah, to both no of problem. them. For doing no, no, me a no. favor. No, no, pleasure. They, they do a great job. They do an absolute great job. Um, really proud of my brother and, and Denise. They do some great work, especially in the hospitals with those kids. Um, it's not easy, but, but they do it and they've done it for a long time. So it was my pleasure. No, but thanks for having me. I've, been, I've enjoyed doing it and I, I wish you all the success moving forward with it. Thank you very much, Alex. 
Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pav. Sports Social Podcast Network.